Trigger warning. Trigger warning. If you do find this not helpful at the moment, don't feel like you have There's to There's any keep... pressure to listen yeah. whatsoever. Know that Georgia and I care about you and that we love you and that we want what's best for you. Yeah. And this podcast is not aiding you in your recovery and your mental state and how your day is going. Please do not feel any pressure or need to listen to it. Yeah, just take care of yourself. Just take care of yourself. Also, Georgia and I are not professionals at all no. when it comes to like we're, We don't have degrees in this. No, we're not. We're not. No, <laughs> no, we are just two girls who are recovering from eating disorders themselves, wanting to share our stories and shed some light on some topics that may be harder to talk about. There will also be many resources in our description box. So if there's any point during this episode, any point at all that you feel like that you need that little bit of extra support, no, there's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with you needing that and that feel free to use them and that we support you and that we are so proud of you. Yes. Yeah. Picture me this. I'm here. We eat the fucking food. We eat the fucking food. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Eat the Fucking Food. It's Lauren here again today for another solo podcast. How's everybody's week going? Mine's going amazing. And I'm not saying that in a bragging way or like trying to like one-up anybody. And if you're having a hard week, I apologize. I know that I'm here for you and that your struggles and emotions are valid. But my week has been so great. I have done so many fun things in the city. I feel like I'm finally finding my groove in living in Chicago. I've gotten to see so many friends. Overall, it's just been a really great week. And I hope it continues that way. And I hope this isn't just like a little blip where it's like, oh, things are good. But then all of a sudden the realities of being an adult hit again. I'm not going to manifest that. I take it back. But overall, fantastic week. So happy to be in Chicago. The weather, so nice. The weekend wasn't the nicest. It's been pretty hot and humid. And I've been sweating like crazy recently. And I'm not used to sweating I don't know why I just felt the need to add that in. Yeah, that's, that was great, Lauren. That was really cool. Um, yeah, but it's been really hot here. So I guess that's been like the one downside. I'm a person where like my favorite season is the fall, not only because it's my birthday, not only because I'm a Libra, not only because it's just arguably, obviously the best time of the year, but I feel like the weather is like a sweet pocket of warmth and cold of like needing a light jacket. You can wear jeans and like a t-shirt or like a long sleeve or like a nice like dress and whatever you wear it suits for like the weather versus right now, if I'm not wearing just like a sports bra and a pair of shorts, I'm sweating through my shirt. And it was literally, so I was with Sedona on Friday and it was raining here or like misting. It's been misting the past couple days. Like as if you're like standing in front of a produce aisle thing and the vegetables are getting watered. That's the weather. But we walk into Zara and I was like sweating, sweating. And I was like, Sedona, I'm so hot right now. And she goes, is that rain or is that like sweat? And I was like, oh my God, it's fucking sweat. I was like, this is embarrassing. So if anybody has any tips on how not to get so sweaty, I don't really think there are any tips that can be given, but feel free to leave them. I'll read them. I also just want to give like a little quick, little cute shout out to anybody. I did like an Ask FM. It had the vibe of an Ask FM on my actual main Instagram account the other day. And I got so many amazing messages just reaching out about how the podcast has affected them and their recovery and felt that it was a space where they feel seen and 
validated within like their emotions and their thoughts and recovery. And that just makes me so happy. Like, honestly, I was beaming reading every single one of those messages because that's the main purpose and the main goal of having this podcast is just explaining some thoughts that I feel like aren't normally talked about at this level of media, I guess. Not to say that I'm like, wow, I'm super like famous and I have a big following and a huge influence, but thoughts that may seem silly and may seem very like isolating and that like you might be the only one like thinking these things about recovery or about having an eating disorder or X, Y, Z, but to know that other people also feel the same way that like I do is super, I don't know, meaningful. It's validating me as well in my recovery journey. So if you sent any of those messages, thank you. I appreciate you. And without further ado, highs and lows. My high of this week would probably be honestly getting to see so many friends. I've seen so many friends within the past week and just being able to be social and hang out with people other than my partner. Nothing against hanging out with him. I like spending time with him and my family, but it's been nice to be able to see some of my like closest friends again. So I got to see Sedona on Friday and her mom. And then on Sunday, I got to see Helena and Ethan, whom I'm obsessed with, the power couple of the whole entire world. I mean, a new friend. And then on Monday, I didn't do anything on Monday. On Monday, I got my phone fixed, which is pretty good because my phone had this huge crack at the bottom of it, which I had talked about, and I finally got it fixed. But a funny story along that, I'm going to tangent for a second. I dropped my phone off at the U-Break iFix, and then they're like, okay, it's going to be done in like an hour, an hour and a half. And I was like, okay. So I just kind of started like wandering around this like shopping mall-ish area, I guess. But I had no way to tell the time because I didn't have my phone and I didn't have a watch and there were no clocks like anywhere. So I kind of just like had to guesstimate what time it was. Also, not having my phone made me realize how much of like a safety, I don't want to say safety mechanism. I don't think that's the right word, but how whenever I just like put in my headphones and I'm listening to a podcast, I feel so much more like, I don't know, untouchable or people don't like interact with me. I kind of try to walk with a resting bitch face because I don't want strangers to come up to me. But also like if you recognize me in public, not that this will ever happen and not that I'm expecting it to, but come say hi because that would be a cool little moment for me. But I realized I didn't have my phone. So I just kind of had my headphones in my ears with nothing playing in them for like an hour and was just walking around. And I was like, this is silly. I'm kind of silly. But then yesterday, I went to, and Grant Park, they have movies every Tuesday and you get to like sit outside and like kind of like an amphitheater and they project them on a big screen. And I went with Jake and Caleb and we had some like snacks and then we got Shake Shack after. And I had a amazing milkshake. These people in line behind us were like, the milkshakes are kind of underrated or like overrated. They're not that good. Like it's not worth like using a lactose pill. I was like, first of all, that seems disordered a little bit in diet culture because they were like in high school and I was like, mm. but I would, I would beg to differ. I would argue that they are definitely worth if you are lactose intolerant and want to use a lactose pill. They are good. They're fantastic. I got like a half chocolate, half vanilla, and it tasted kind of like soft serve mixed with custard, and it just it hit the spot. And then I biked home. I biked a couple times this week too, except I also have a bone to pick with the Divi bike people because I've tried to rent a Divi bike 
four times now and two out of the four times. Okay. One of the times didn't work at all. One of the times it like didn't work at first and I called somebody and then all of a sudden when I called them, it started working. So I got to ride the bike. Second time, it didn't work at all. So I called somebody and they're like, oh yeah, your code expired. I was like, that's funny because I got it literally two minutes ago. I literally called them right after because I tried to use every single bike at the station and then they just refunded me, which is fine. But then it worked last night and I was like, thank goodness. Cause I really wasn't in the mood to walk back to my house. But yeah, so those are the highs of my week. Probably just quality time with friends. The low of my week would have to be, I miss my family. And I said this, like, I do miss my mom a lot. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. And I also know that, and this is something I need to work on, is that whenever I'm not around people or like whenever I move to a new place, because this happened when I moved to Naperville too. Whenever I move to a new place and I'm relearning like activities I can do or like how to be a person in that place pretty much, I kind of really avoid talking to other people like on my phone, like texting as much as I can, which is interesting. And it's not bad because like, I don't want to be on my phone like 24 seven, but then I neglect those relationships where they are not in like the general area and I can't see them in person, but it always happens. just like a month of this. So I'm in that kind of like month phase where I feel like I haven't really been talking to my family. Like I haven't talked to my sister in forever. Hi, Caroline, if you're listening to this, I miss you, but I'm going to see them at the end of the month. We're going to go all up to our cabin, my sister and I and our boyfriends, which will be fun. But so that's probably been the low of my week. It's just missing some of the connection with the people that I was surrounded with for like a month and a half because I was living in Madison. Yeah. So I'd say a high in my recovery this week was how many functions or social events that I went to surrounding food or involving food. Because in the past, I know that I would have really used that as an excuse to not go and attend those things and have those moments or I would have compensated an extreme amount beforehand or after because of the food that I'd be eating because nine times out of 10, it's more bitch foods than safe foods. But I didn't find myself doing that at all this week. I mean, I went, I took myself out to a solo date in Chinatown. I had some like dumpling and bow by myself. They're like table for one. I was like table for one. Yeah. So I was super proud about that and that I was able to have those moments and be present within them and not let whatever food I was eating dictate my emotions, which again is big steps from Lauren a year ago. So I'm proud of that. This episode, what I really want to talk about is support systems and how to build them and maintain them and what they are and the different forms they can come in and just kind of touch on those topics. Because during my Ask FM little questionnaire that I had on my Instagram, somebody like brought up support systems and how theirs may have been lacking or they didn't have one or how to build one. So I thought this would be a fun little topic to talk about if you are wanting to strengthen your support system in your recovery to a better relationship with food, or if you know somebody and you're part of their support system and want to help support them better. How many times am I going to say support this episode? Let's start a counter. So before we get into really talking about support systems, one, I want to say that I'm not really going to be talking about therapists and dietitians and psychologists and everything 
involving that side of a support system in recovery, because while yes, those are extremely, extremely important, not everybody is as privileged to receive treatment. So I just want to put that out there that I'm be talking about your parents, partners, friends, yourself, acquaintances, like those types of support systems and like lasting ones outside of receiving medical attention for an eating disorder. Also to define what a support system is, it's kind of like your people that you go to when you may be having a harder day or harder time, the ones that you tend to reach out to who are able to give you that feedback and kind of help you reframe or give you words of affirmation or validation within your struggles. And support systems, I like for me, I have multiple, multiple support systems. So I'm probably not going to be able to like touch on and speak about all of them, but I also have different support systems for when I'm needing different things. And I think that that's really important in creating a system that works for you and your recovery. So the first one we're going to talk about is parents slash like your family. So I've talked about this multiple times, but one, I'm extremely, extremely grateful for the relationship that I do have with my parents and with my sister and for their involvement within my recovery. I am so lucky to have such a involved family in it. That being said, was the involvement always wanted and welcomed? No, but I'm thankful that throughout the whole entire time, they never really gave up on me because some of the times in my recovery and within my disordered struggles got really, really nasty and kind of not fun to be around. So I'm grateful that they never made me feel less than or that it was like, basically I said, like I never felt that I was going to be given up on no matter how many times I had to try in recovery. But also I do recognize that it is extremely tiring for support systems if it's such a constant cycle of in and out and in and out. And my sister shared with me, I might've shared this on the podcast, but she shared with me how at one point she did resent me for my eating disorder and for my struggles because they're draining. They're not only draining for the individual involved, they're draining for said support systems. Specifically, if you do have like an involved family, it's draining for the family because it does take a lot of time and energy away from those individuals as well. But I know without my family and my recovery, I don't think I would be, I know I wouldn't be in the place that I am today. My family outside of what I was able to express to them with my disorder took it on their own hands to also learn about it and to educate. And I think that's one of the biggest things when it comes to support systems, because there is such a misunderstanding when it comes to eating disorders. And I know for a fact at first with my family, I mean, I also, being the one struggling, didn't even know that eating disorders were masking all these other emotions and thoughts and feelings. I thought it was generally just about food and that I wanted to be quote unquote skinny, but that wasn't at all what my eating disorder was giving me and the purpose of my eating disorder. But originally that's what I believed the purpose of it was along with my family. So the conversations that we had then versus the conversations that we have now post me being in treatment, post them learning about it on their own time and their own terms are completely different because there's such a bigger picture 
when it comes to eating disorders rather than the small, narrow mindset that is the normal thought when you think about somebody who struggles with an eating disorder. So for support systems, I think that that's a really, really big thing is finding people who are willing to put in the work themselves as well. And that's a lot to ask for. Like acknowledge that, that to ask somebody else to be a part of your recovery and a part of your support system, it's a lot. And I've had people that haven't wanted to do it. I've had past partners when asking them to come to meet with my dietitian so that they can better understand how to support me and what I need, tell me like, no, I don't want to be that. I just want to be your boyfriend. And that can be really hard, but that's a boundary that they set. And then you have to decide, is it healthy for you and your recovery to have somebody in your life like that? Or do you need more support from that individual in that position? And that's when it comes to partners too. Having a partner and supporting a partner in recovery. And I want to do a whole entire episode about this, about having like relationships within recovery and like those dynamics. And we kind of already talked about it a little bit maybe with Darcy, but I think Darcy is one of the best examples of that because they've been on each side of being a partner who's struggling with an eating disorder versus being a partner who is supporting a partner struggling with an eating disorder. So I just think that their thoughts around it would be super interesting. So if you want to hear that episode, that one will be coming out soon. And let me know because the more hype there is around it, the sooner that one will probably be recorded. But it can be so hard because people and other individuals outside of the one who's struggling often, in my case, I've found, take some sort of responsibility when it comes to that person's disorder, be that the responsibility to fix it and want to like change it and make things better, which was like my dad, or the responsibility in like self-blaming them and being like, what could have I done better? Why did this happen? I, it was something that I must have said, must have done. And that was my mom. And what I say to that is one, I've said it before, it's not something that needs to be fixed. I mean, obviously you're going to want to better your relationship with food, but you can't fix a person. It's not a person that needs to be fixed. It's a person that needs to be supported and validated and heard and seen and understood rather than you trying to take control of it because the eating disorder, and I promise you, the eating disorder will say, "Mm, no, F that person. They're my enemy now. My dad and I had the worst, the absolute worst relationship during the time that I was struggling with my eating disorder. And he knows this, so I'm not really feeling any guilt for saying that or like, sorry, surprise, dad. I didn't like you during that time. He didn't like me either. There are multiple occasions where we'd be out, like we were out in Chicago one time and my dad refused to eat with me. Two times actually in one trip, he refused to eat with me. And fair enough, I was not fun to be around, around food for obvious reasons. I had an eating disorder. But there's a lot of almost like anger and self-anger towards the individuals outside of the eating disorder. And that's where like my mom kind of came in and her emotions around it and feeling like, what could have I done better as, as, a, as a mother? Like, how could I have supported them differently so that this wasn't the path that they went down? What did I say? And that's so hard because we talk about this multiple times, but the world is surrounded by diet culture. And like we live in a society that diet culture thrives in. 
because we're all so obsessed with our outward appearances at times. And again, I want to say this, that's not what eating disorders are. They're not rooted in outwardly appearances. It's deeper and more than that. But when we live in a society that values that and values thinness and is extremely fat phobic, it makes sense that we as children and we as teenagers and we as young adults and we as adults and we as the elderly are taking in information, false information that media is feeding us about how we should <laughs> literally feeding us, but feeding us about it, like what we should look like, how, what we should eat, how much we should work out, how we should move our bodies what kind of supplements we should be taking, how we can always be doing more and more and more. So it makes sense. And it's not something that one person can take full responsibility and blame for. Like, sure, were there some things in my childhood probably that were disordered that were said to me or that I saw? Of course, because I live in a world that values those disordered thoughts. So I think my one of my biggest things, I'm sorry if this it seems like a podcast that's like boop, 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 boop when it comes to thoughts. But one of my biggest things when it comes to a support system is are the individuals outside of the one who is struggling with an eating disorder, are they looking inward at their relationship with food and their relationship with diet culture and like recognizing how their actions may be perpetuating those beliefs that that certain individual holds around food and around their body within their recovery. Because that's so hard. And I think that's so important because if you get in someone who can't see it or doesn't understand it, and it's hard because it can be like the littlest things. Like I know so many wonderful, amazing people in my life whom I adore and I love to be around, but they still can't seem to understand how some of the thoughts and some of the phrases like around food, like the whole idea of like, oh, we need to walk it off. Oh, I need to wish I could just like lose 10 pounds. Like that type of language. I mean, that one's pretty obvious, but like that type of language, how that is so rooted in diet culture and how that, those little comments like that, were there comments that if, I'm, if you're surrounded by a person who doesn't struggle with disordered eating or isn't someone who has the awareness and the knowledge about eating disorders and diet culture, that those comments seem normal. Wouldn't, not going to face you twice. Your brain, just, you're just going to hear them in one ear, out the other. But if there's somebody with any history, being a loved one, being a friend, being a family member, being anyone who has any relationship towards an individual who struggles with that, immediately my brain always like clicks. Like it hears that one sentence and I, I don't get stuck on it as much as I used to, but it definitely does kind of like, at least for me personally, like trip up a conversation because it's at those times obvious to see the people that have done the work and chosen to educate themselves and wanting to educate themselves. And again, I keep wanting to say, one, there's a privilege within all of this, I recognize, a privilege to have family members and friends and a support system that has chosen to take the time individually to learn about this. But it's also, there's so much time and energy too. So there's, you shouldn't feel bad if you do still obey by some diet culture rules 
or can't don't recognize sometimes what you're saying and the effect and the level and like the degree and like the power in which they may hold when it comes to diet culture, because it's so many things. I mean, we're literally, we are literally surrounded by diet culture all the time. So it's almost impossible to escape it and to like get yourself away from it. But what I found is finding a support system and finding people that are willing to put in a little bit of the energy and effort and reflect on their own relationship with food and with movement completely changes the playing, like the game. Like, I think when I went into res the first time, that's when a lot of my like support systems and the way in which I viewed my support systems and the way in which I was able to have conversations with my support systems completely changed. Because I had learned the language around it and they also had learned a language around it. And I think because I, and this is where you as an individual, if you're the one who is struggling with disordered eating or in recovery from an eating disorder, have to take some sort of responsibility as well. Because I know that when I figured out how to better communicate my feelings and my thoughts and had created this language and vocabulary around my recovery and what I needed and how better to articulate what I needed, that's when my support systems grew. And that's when they became stronger. So you do have to take some sort of personal responsibility for letting your support systems know what you need. But then again, like I said before, it all depends on how those people show up and what they're willing to give to you in your recovery. And it's all about finding those individuals who are willing to put in some work with you and to grow with you because it can be so uncomfortable for those individuals as well. Because yes, you are in treatment. You're specifically learning to have a better relationship with food. And like, yeah, as we said, like the day in life of res, you're going to classes to better your relationship with food. Those individuals aren't. They're going to have to do that work eight times out of 10, like by themselves and really look inward and go through that uncomfortable growth period of examining their relationship with food as well. So I'm so thankful for the individuals in my life who did that and who are still continuously doing that because they have helped me create safe spaces and safe environments where I feel like that my recovery can exist in and thrive in. And my hope is that that continues to just become a more norm thing as we continue. And that's like why I feel like a part of me is also so passionate and I love why I love talking about stuff like this, because I think the more and more people that are able to at any level reflect on their relationship with food and what it means to them and what power it may hold over them and recognize the diet culture society we live in and the fat phobia that we live in, that the more and more we keep these conversations going, the less and less they're going to, diet culture is going to exist. And the more we can continue to pull back that curtain on society we live in and the values that they kind of make us hold. So those are some of my thoughts on support systems. Obviously, I feel like any episode and any conversation that I have on this podcast, I could go on and on and like ramble about. And if this seemed a little rambly, I apologize. We're fingers crossing. Georgia's going to be on the podcast next week. We're going to do an episode together. I have some exciting guests lined up that I'm pumped about to talk about kind of like the internet and social media and eating disorders and how they thrive in that, which I think will be an interesting topic. 
If so, if there's also any topics that you want to hear, please, please, please DM our Instagram account at We Eat the Fucking Food. It's the same as the podcast, except there's a little asterisk where the you would be because swearing. But those are my thoughts right now on support systems. I just want to say that if you are a support system in my life, I appreciate you and I love you. And I don't, I can't express how grateful and how thankful I am for you because honestly, I think that my support systems are one of the things that made my recovery and have made this chapter of my recovery as amazing and as honest and allowed me to be as like vulnerable within it as possible because I have surrounded myself by the most amazing, thoughtful, understanding, incredible individuals. So shout out to you. And also anybody that's listening, if you feel like that you are alone in your struggle, know that you're not because I know at least I can speak for myself. I care about you so much and I see you and I hear you and I validate any thought or any feeling that you may be having and know that as dark and as scary and as isolating as it may feel right now, it can and it will get better and you have all the power to do that. You are a powerful individual who deserves a better relationship with food and you are worthy of that relationship. So what I'm going to do to take care of myself today, wow, just got so deep. Tell me why I kind of got emotional, like kind of teared up a little bit. (laughs) So what I'm going to do today though, to take care of myself is tonight, I'm going to go to a yoga class with Fiona. Fiona was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. If you haven't listened to the episode, it was probably one of my favorite ones that I've ever recorded, to be honest. It's called like, don't wear your ED glasses. It was such an amazing conversation. I just adore Fiona. So I'm going to go to a yoga class with her. And then after we're going to get some Greek food and it's going to be a nice little chit chat time, kind of like catch up, venting about diet culture. That's also what I love when it comes to my friends specifically in recovery. And those are sometimes my favorite people to talk about this with, as I've said that about Darcy before and Georgia and kind of the purpose of this podcast is those individuals, the ones who have struggled themselves or done the work, get it to a different level. So I'm excited to talk with her tonight and just kind of chat about this move and how it's affecting me in my recovery and hear where she's at in it. But yeah, so that's my plan for tonight. Thank you all for listening. Way to eat that fucking food. I am proud of you. I appreciate you for tuning into another episode this week. And I hope that your week continues to be amazing as mine will be amazing too. I'm going to manifest that. All right. Bye. See you next week.